Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Mike. Lauren. Do you think this is my real voice? Uh, yes, I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain it's your real voice. Why is that? Vocal fry. It was the vocal fry that gave it away, huh? Well, no, it's the fact that I'm watching your lips move. But if I shut my eyes and listen to you speak, I think I would still think it was your voice speaking. Wow. What you just said was really poetic. It sounds like something that Samantha, the AI in, in her, the movie her, would say at the end. Say that again, but slowly. In in in, in my it's, Scarlett Johansson yes, it's, voice? It's kind of like, but I shut my eyes and listen. I would still think it's actually you talking. It's like at the end of the film when she talks about the pages of the book getting further and further apart. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think in the future we could maybe simulate Scarlett Johansson's voice to host this podcast and then you and I are off hosting duties? Uh, I mean, I enjoy doing this show every week, but that would be a future that I don't think is possible. I mean, it is possible this show will just be two robots talking to each other in the future. Can Douglas Adams script it? Maybe it'd be <laughs> Douglas Adams AI scripted because that would be really funny. I'd be down for that. Is well, it possible, though? We're about to find out. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I'm Lauren Good. It's the real me, and I'm a senior writer at Wired. Uh, I am the digital simulacrum of Michael Calori, who is a senior editor at Wired. Sounds so realistic. Our excellent podcast producer, Boone Ashworth, is taking a seat at the mic today. We had Boone on back in February to talk about the future of smartphones, and we heard the clamors from the crowd, people saying, more Boone, more Boone. So we brought him back. Boone, it's great to have you here. Hi, thank you for having me, Lauren and Mike. It's good to be here. Whoa. What? Is that you? <laughs> Wouldn't it be annoying if I just did the AI voice the entire show? <laughs> Actually, no. I'm quite fascinated by this. Hi. Hi. Welcome. So I'm, that's the real me. you. <laughs> Wait. Do, have You should do an imitation of your AI. What if I just talk normal, but is this the AI or is this the imitation? All right. Okay. <laughs> what if I just... No. <laughs> We're going to get to this. So AI is seeping into every aspect of our lives. We've talked about it a lot at Wired and here on this podcast. And now we are going to talk about talking. 
And that's because AI is now being used to generate audio, everything from music tracks to very human sounding voices, as you just heard. A bunch of AI services out there can take audio clips from real voice recordings and build AI models off of them. And then you would go to a computer and type out what you wanted it to say, and the computer can generate an impression of that person's voice. It could be yours. It could be Donald Trump's. It could be a deceased relative's. I'm not sure which is scarier in that equation. <laughs> and Boone, you just wrote about this for Wire.com. So my first question for you is, it's a little bit of a long one, and then there's a short version, which is, okay, what we've learned about tech in our time covering it is that when it's used as a tool, this kind of service can make life a little easier, right? Like it can help you get things done more efficiently, but it can also be totally weaponized. And, you know, people are using this tech to steal identities and scam people and make it sound like someone said something they didn't. Um, So I'll ask you about that a little bit later on in the show. But first... Let's talk about how you made an AI clone of your voice. You used it as a tool. Why did you do this? Yeah, so I've been playing around with a couple different uh, of these voice AI things. One of them was Revoice, which is a a mode made by Podcastle, which is like a podcasting company. And then the other one that I've been using most recently was Eleven Labs, which is kind of the, I think, kind of the top tier one out there that uh, people are using to make all sorts of crazy stuff. If you're seeing a headline about voice AI, chances are they're probably using Eleven Labs. So I wanted to make an AI clone because I thought it'd be really funny if people broke into my bank accounts with my voice. <laughs> no, um, no, I just like, I, I don't know. I edit this podcast every week. Like I listen to all kinds of audio stuff. And I just, I was curious how human these things could actually sound. And just with the explosion of AI in, it, in everything and, you know, making art, and music and video and everything else, it's like, okay, well, now it's coming directly for our voices. So how real is it going to get and how quickly? And uh, it's it's getting there. <laughs> so the companies that make these things, they're, they're podcasting companies, they're like audio production software companies, like their vision for this tool is that you use it in audio production? Yeah, pod- Podcastle is. So Podcastle specifically meant for creators. It's sort of like Descript. Descript is probably the bigger name one out there. Um, that you can use to kind of enhance your audio or if there's like background noise, it'll auto remove it or take out ums and uhs, stuff like that. So this kind of technology, this like AI uh, audio editing technology has been out for a while. I don't know if that's exactly something like Eleven Labs goals. There's other companies like Respeecher, which has been making AI voice clones of actors and stuff like that. So it's not all necessarily about, you know, podcasting or content creation. I think it's just I think a lot of it is just about the technology. Um, there's a lot of uses for voice AI. If you start thinking about, you know, somebody who has like a medical condition where, you know, their voice doesn't work, then you could use voice AIs to make something that sounds more convincing than the, the typical like robo voices that you would uh, expect to hear. So. so someone like Val Kilmer, for example, yeah. where there's this body of work that exists of him where you could grab his voice and then he would be able to generate his voice through a machine yeah yeah that that's a great example or um uh, somebody like james earl jones who's still alive and still working um just recently signed off with respeecher to let them make ai deep fakes clones whatever of his voice so that the darth vader voice can live on in perpetuity because there's a whole body of work to kind of go from that um there's also i mean there's a whole sort of separate field of it of 
creating voices from scratch. So, so for instance, people who were born without a voice or you know can't talk just in general, crafting a voice based on you know somebody who has similar characteristics as them, like same height, weight, gender, whatever else, um, and then kind of like building a voice for them. So that would be something that wouldn't be based off any previous work. It would just be based off of the voices that are already out there and kind of tweaking and enhancing little bits here and there. So take us on the journey, if you would. When you first encountered the tool, uh, which was the first one you used and how did you make your voice? I started using Podcastle. I started using their new Revoice tool, which came out earlier this year. That one has a little bit more legwork to actually get an AI clone of your voice. There are companies out there, uh, Microsoft has a new uh, voice AI that says that can make a fully generated AI voice based on three seconds of audio. I don't know how good that actually is, but there's stuff where you can upload just minor clips of somebody talking and build essentially a whole voice algorithm based off of that. Well, the reason I, I wanted to look at Revoice and Podcastle is because they have a whole kind of more or less security system in it in that you have to record your voice live. So they have a, a, a certain amount of, you say like 70 phrases, and they're phrases that are specifically designed to like make your mouth make certain sounds or certain phonemes so that, you know, different vowel sounds, the way that words or letters go together in words, they can kind of mix and match and recreate later. So you say these like 70 stock phrases, but you have to record it into the program. So you can't go and make somebody else's voice. You, you couldn't go and put in James Earl Jones voice or Donald Trump's voice or Joe Rogan's voice or whatever and make something on this platform. It's specifically designed for people like if all of us in this room wanted to sit down and take the half hour, 45 minutes to record 70 voice phrases, then you could do that. So that's sort of like their safeguards that they have built in, which I think is probably good if people just want to make a clone of their voice and not deep fake somebody else. But something like Eleven Labs, I mean, I made AI voice copies of you two and I just took voice clips from this show and put it into that. And now I have full voices of both of you and myself. So oh. that... You what? can do with theoretically anybody. Can we hear these? Are you going to insert these in the show afterwards? Uh, yeah, I can. I can. I can play them. Okay, let's let's hear yours first, though. So first, let's hear the clip that you chose from our last podcast taping in February when you were on the show. Let's let's give a listen to that so people can hear what you really sound like. Okay, here here's here's a clip of my original voice. I don't think that we need like incredible new hardware to do do stuff like that. It's a lot of like iterative software changes that I think we're seeing. Um, but I just, I don't, uh, the screens are amazing. The cameras are wonderful. <laughs> like what I, I, not to, not to like limit my imagination too much here, but what more do we want? Okay. Now we're going to hear the voice that we've been calling Boone 2.0. Okay. So this is the AI voice through Podcastle Revoice. It's a lot of iterative software changes that I think we're seeing, but I just, I don't. The screens are amazing. The cameras are wonderful. Not to limit my imagination too much here, but what more do we want? Okay, so, so yeah, if I heard that, I would think, huh, that sounds like Boone. But yeah. then I would also say, Boone, are you are you all right? Like, do you need a ride or something? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> okay. you know, it lacks a lot of the emotion and intonation of your original clip. It, it does. It does. And that, I think, maybe doesn't fairly represent the kind of, voice AI tech that is out there because this is the same clip through 11 labs. If it could automate some things on the back end to make my life a little easier, then I would get something new. But I don't think that we need incredible new hardware to do stuff like that. It's a lot of 
iterative software changes that I think we're seeing. But the screens are amazing. The cameras are wonderful. Not to limit my imagination too much here, but what more do we want? (laughs) Okay. Okay. The first half of that, I was like, holy crap, the end is near. But then all of a sudden, you became this very, like, excitable British man or something. What was happening there? It went off the rails a little bit. So... Mike's face is so red right now. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Not to laugh during that. That was amazing. <laughs> it it is it is much more recognizably you. It is like all of the um, the emotional outbursts aside. <laughs> Thank you. It's like you could fool somebody into thinking that was actually you talking. Whereas yeah. the first clip, the the revoice clip, didn't necessarily sound like you could fool somebody. Right. Right. Yeah. I think this just goes to show how varied the results that you get can be. So it's all over the place with these these different AI tools. Some of them sound a lot more convincing than others, and some of them sound a lot crazier than others. <laughs> so you, you really have um, there's a couple ways of putting together these voice AI clips. So like when you put in text in a, uh, a text to speech thing, it can read each word individually, right? Or take whole sentences and kind of enunciate them. What something like Eleven Labs does is it takes the whole block of text that you put in there and accounts for everything contextually. So they have algorithms that are supposed to analyze the context of what you're saying. So it's supposed to try to pick up if you're angry or sad or happy or alarmed or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what it was getting from from my voice, but. Um, it kind of, if you do just one simple clip, then it's it's a different enunciation than if you were to have that one sentence in, you know, a paragraph. It kind of like takes everything else into account. So I think Eleven Labs has the, the uh, inflection dialed in a little bit, like the rhythm, the pacing, um, tone. They have a lot more tweaks in there. Because I've used some text to speech tools before. And I noticed that, you know, if you capitalize words or if you spell them phonetically in a different way, you can sort of get the machine a little bit closer yeah. to what you actually want it to say by making those manual adjustments. Yeah. But what you've got happening is a, a computer making those adjustments automatically based on how it's perceiving the tone of the thing you want it to say, which feels like a big advancement. Right. Yeah. I'm. That's where some of the AI stuff comes in. Right? I'm sure you could, you know, in the back end, you could really dial it in and have it, you know, give these certain pitch adjustments or, or intensity adjustments, however you wanted to. But the idea is that you're supposed to be able to put in a block of text and have it say it the way that a human would. It's it's going to get enunciation wrong. It's going to, you know, mess up a couple things. But you just try like different variations of the sentences until you get something that you like. And then you can piece a whole normal ish sounding paragraph together fairly easily Mm -hmm. i feel like we could talk about this forever and we're going to continue the conversation but we do have to take a quick break and when we come back with our real human voices (laughs) we're going to talk about some of the pitfalls of this new technology i feel like we could talk about this all day but we do have to take a quick break but when we come back we're going to talk about some of the pitfalls of this new tech was that an ai yes Mm -hmm. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the future, Lauren. Oh, no. Hackers and cyber criminals have always held this kind of special fascination. Obviously, I can't tell you too much about what I do. It's a game. Who's the best hacker? 
And I was like, well, this is child's play. I'm Dina Temple-Reston, and on the Click Here podcast, you'll meet them and the people trying to stop them. We're not afraid of the attack. We're afraid of the creativity and the intelligence of the human being behind it. Click Here, stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. AI machines, satellite, engine ignition. Click Here. And liftoff. Click Here, every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so what you heard before the break was an AI version of my voice. And I'll have all of you know that during the break, Boone demonstrated how he also has Mike's voice say the same thing. So basically, Boone has stored on his computer AI models of our voices (laughs) in perpetuity forever. This is where the producers come back to haunt us, where Boone's like, look, people, I've had you hot mic'd for years now. I can make you say anything and have it sound real. Boone is in the corner just typing away here. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is where the producers come back to haunt us, where Boone's like, I've had you hot mic'd for years now. I can make you say anything. Have have Mike say it. This is where the producers come back to haunt us, where Boone's like, I've had you hot mic'd for years now. I can make you say anything. Wow. (laughs) So how did you make these? Like, we didn't sit down and do the 70 phrases. Did you just feed it old Gadget Lab episodes? I did. I actually I thought it was going to be a little bit easier than it was. Um, I couldn't just feed it the whole episode because then it started making these weird hybrid voices where it combined like both of your voices into one <laughs> insane thing. <gasps> oh, no. Which is fun. Why? What does that sound like? <laughs> uh, it sounds like this. Welcome to Gadget Lab. This is a, a perfectly normal human voice and not just an AI combining Lauren and Mike into one voice. All right. Nice knowing you, Lauren. <laughs> um, so it was it, it was actually pretty easy. I just divided up your audio. Um, I used the last episode of Gadget Lab and I put you in as separate streams. And so it got all Lauren, all your audio and Mike, all your audio from that show. And it just synthesized voices based on that. I also, I to make my own voice clone in 11 Labs, I did the same thing. And that's what it's building off of. So you'll, you'll hear in mine, there's a lot of like stops and starts, a lot of uhs and ums, a lot of like me pausing and thinking, stuff like that. So like the, the AI synthesis will, will put that in there. Even when the transcript is just verbatim what the words are, it'll add in little uhs and ums and stops and starts and stutters because it knows that that's how I speak. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so what would you say is the most alarming example you've seen on the internet so far of how this is being misused? Like all of this AI stuff, there is, it's really easy to imagine the ways that this can go horribly wrong, right? Um, The easy examples are people taking voices where there's a lot of library out there, so to speak. Um, People doing things like cloning uh, Emma Watson's voice to make her sound like she's reading Mein Kampf. That's not okay. Uh, People are cloning dead YouTubers saying transphobic and racist things, um, which they never actually said. They're just making their AI voices say that. Anything that I type into this software right now, I can make it sound like you two are saying. Obviously, you're not actually saying it. So there's that. There's just like misrepresentation. I think there's also genuine security scams to be worried about. Um, There's things of people like faking voice, you know, taking a few seconds of, you know, some voice clip that you posted online in whatever context and then using it to call relatives and try to scam relatives. There's been all sorts of reports of things like that happening. Um, 
uh, Joseph Cox at Motherboard wrote about being able to hack into his own bank account uh, with his own a clone of his voice AI because a lot of these bank accounts have voice prompted login stuff or security information. So being able to make copies of that, anybody could log into your account. Theoretically, anybody could call your grandma and try to convince her to give that person a bunch of money. Uh, <laughs> shut it all down. Let's just shut it. Let's just unplug the internet. And I mean, even when these tools are used ethically, I feel like, uh, or with, let's just say with ethical considerations, like if you remember uh, Roadrunner, the recent documentary about Anthony Bourdain, where uh, the producers used an AI voice model of Anthony Bourdain's speaking voice to read out a letter. And they did this after he died. So there was, uh, you know, uh, it was a big controversy. I mean, people talked about the movie being good, but even more people talked about the fact that that was a problem, that they were able to do that and that they went ahead and did it. They felt that it was tasteful. Other people thought it was distasteful. So like, you know, we're in early days now where you can fool people and people don't like to be fooled and particularly don't like to they're not comfortable with the idea of somebody making them say things after they're dead. That they never said. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that was in 2021. I think that was a couple of years ago. So mm -hmm. the difference now is that anybody can do this, right? Mm -hmm. The difference now is it's not just producers making a movie. It's anybody can make any of these these audio clones, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I, to me, there's a really interesting ethical question about it, which is how important is the the human connection, right? Like I, I tend to think, you know, I like podcasts. I tend to think of podcasting as a pretty intimate medium because you're sitting there listening to people have a conversation, right? Well, does it kind of remove the appeal of that if it's not an actual person talking? Um, if it's not somebody saying the words, if they've just, you know, auto-generated them and they say it later, like, like where do you, and how much of that can somebody do before it starts to feel completely artificial? Like, if I'm editing this show, I'll probably cut out a bunch of stuff that I said or stops and stutters that I said, right? And, or, and if there's a mistake that I made, you know, if I pronounced a word wrong or something, theoretically, you could use the AI to go back and make it sound like you said the right word. Is that unethical? I don't, I don't know because you're, you're saying the same thing. You're just making yourself look a little bit better in the final product, but that's sort of what an editor's job is anyway. Sure. So I, I don't know. I think I think there's some really interesting questions out there about what this all means for the content we consume and the conversations we listen to and the stuff we watch and the people that we think that we're, you know, whose voices we think we're absorbing. We I think there's a difference, though, between enhancement tools and replacement tools. Sure. I think as a society, we've now accepted that a certain amount of the content we consume online is enhanced in some way. In, in particular, I'm thinking about visual experiences like Instagram filters, mm -hmm. not saying that that's necessarily good and healthy either when used to an extreme. But we still get the sense that if done correctly, we're, we're still we're still interacting with a real human, even if there's something slightly enhanced about them. Yeah. And so if you're using like Descript you mentioned earlier and Descript in your edit process takes out the ums and the awkward pauses and the likes and things like that, which is maybe something you as the producer would do anyway. It would just be a painstaking process of you going through the timeline right. and editing all of that. But having something completely auto-generated, I think removes that connection. I mean, I listen to podcasts because I like the people who host them. Yeah. And I think about something like like if we talk about Smartless a lot, I listen to almost every Smartless episode, which I affectionately refer to as the Brocast. <laughs> it is incredibly broy, but I like listening to it, and it's because of their personalities. Yeah, 
I'm reminded of a conversation that I had recently with uh, our former coworker Adam Rogers, where he was talking about like IP in the Marvel world, for example, right? You think about Iron Man and you think about Robert Downey Jr., who's the actor inside the suit, but really it's not a person inside the suit. It's like a computer generated version of Iron Man and you just hear his voice. So when Robert Downey Jr. is no longer able to perform as Iron Man, they can keep making Iron Man movies for 50 years or 100 years long after Robert Downey Jr. is gone just by using a clone of his voice because we as an audience accept his voice as the voice of Iron Man. Mm -hmm. And it would be difficult for us to accept somebody else's voice as Iron Man. So that would give them the incentive to do it. I I know... When that first Iron Man movie comes out with, you know, clone Downey Jr. in the suit, <laughs> it's going to be a big topic of conversation yeah. and it's going to make people engage with it differently. Like there'll be some people who are just going to be like, I'm not going to watch that. That's too weird. And there are other people who are going to watch it out of curiosity. And I'm sure there will be millions of people who watch it and have no idea. Yeah. But then there's the Emma Watson example on the flip side of that, which isn't just, you know, it's not just extending a successful franchise, uh, a hugely successful franchise, but but it's actually it's portraying her as a person she is absolutely not. Right. Mm -hmm. And didn't consent to saying. Right. Right. I also think there is probably some potential for real tech solutionism here if hasn't happened already where you know there are going to be chips and devices that can identify generated or fake content or there are watermarks stamped on certain material but i mean i think what we're seeing right now on the consumer internet more broadly is actually the breakdown of those kind of verification systems how they actually don't thwart fakes right we're seeing that with twitter and the twitter verification system is a whole other podcast um (laughs) but That part's alarming because I think we need to figure out and soon, like yesterday, how we're actually going to process, not just on a technological level, but on a very human level, what is real and what is fake online. Yeah. Um, there, there is, you know, there are companies, uh, one company called Pendrop that I talked to for this story, they, they are working on, they've got technology that detects um, AI software when it's being used in, in voices and whatnot. A company like Eleven Labs thinks that there should be you know, AI disclaimers in everything that is produced. And they're help- they say that they're helping develop technology to, you know, identify when voice AI technology is being used. How much people will actually pay attention to that, I don't know. Yeah, it'll but... be like GDPR. <laughs> you know, it'll be like, uh, <laughs> do you consent to listening to an AI voice? And people would just click it just to make it go Except, away. Right, Except all right. AI. Right, yeah. Or it would be something like you get a stamp of approval or something on a piece of content that's produced without AI be like an organic seal or something like that. Mm. But I don't know that anybody's going to care. Yeah. Elon Musk is going to invent the organic seal. Then he's going to start charging $8 a month for it. He's launching it on 420. You heard it here first. (laughs) I thought you said that was the other podcast. (laughs) Right. Right. I just can't. All comes back to Elon Musk. Um, This has been fascinating. We do have to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll do our very... Very human recommendations. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on, of course you do. Introducing The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists, 
to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Boone, type into the AI. Okay, Boone, what's your recommendation? Okay, Boone, what's your recommendation? <laughs> there were like four O's in your name. That's good. Okay, Boone, what's your recommendation? My recommendation is a YouTube playlist. It is a playlist by Arte Concert. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's French. It is a, a series of videos called Passengers. And it's a bunch of different bands. A lot of them are like French EDM bands, um, some some British bands, some Canadian. Um, and they are performing short-ish live concerts in weird locations. So like in airplane hangars or airports or at museums or just like I think an observatory, like a telescope is one. Um, it's just places that you wouldn't expect a live concert to be performed. And there's no audience. It's just... Uh, nice footage of the band's playing and it's just like really good music and it's it's a fun vibe i would recommend it for like putting on in the background at a party or something like that or having on your tv if you know hanging out with people it's just a good it's just a good vibe i'll like put the playlist on go between the videos while i'm working or something like that it's just it is a nice uh good time it's solid for this right now you said I, it's on Spotify? Oh, no, it's on YouTube. Oh, it's on YouTube? Yeah, it's it's okay. videos. So it's like, it's live videos. Oh. I, um, during the pandemic, <laughs> I found myself gravitating towards stuff like this on YouTube a lot. It just was really nice to, you know, see people playing live in situations where there were not thousands of other people pressed together very closely. Um, and I believe all these videos came out in like 2021 or so. So I don't know if they're a reaction to the pandemic, but it is a lot of like, just you know the band standing there playing an actual set of music so you're not just like listening to the same album that you've heard before it's it's you know it feels like a live set um so it's got variety and it's a little bit different and it just it just it just feels nice it feels nice yeah <laughs> i like I that i particularly like this series because there's a lot of bands that uh were brand new to me same yeah a same. lot of french acts yeah you're like, who are these people? And then after about five minutes, you're like, I like this. Yeah, yeah. I listen to it for a bit. I'm like, oh, that that was dope. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. Apparently, <laughs> these are beats that I'm into. Yeah. Are you both typically into EDM? I am relatively new to the EDM scene. Full disclosure, my way into dance music uh, is very nerdy. During the pandemic, um, Grand Theft Auto Online came out with a nightclub. <laughs> update or whatever and so you could just go in there and have your little character dance around and they had a whole set of dj playlists that was like three hours long or something and i would go in there and just hang out because it was the pandemic and everything was sad and so it felt like a a, a sort of like facsimile of being out in public again and then i was like wait this music is actually really cool and then just started listening to more and more stuff like that and that's these videos kind of feel like the same thing where you feel a little bit of like you're kind of there. It's sort of vicarious, but it's also just good, good dope beats, man. Mm-hmm. Nice. So. You were so you were in the metaverse. Okay, I guess so you discovered EDM in the metaverse. Right, right. Because Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse is crazy. Just go into GTA. That's all you need to do. <laughs> Mike, what's your recommendation? Uh, I'm going to recommend a brand new documentary. It's on FX and Hulu. It's part of the New York Times Presents 
series, you mm-hmm. may remember that they did a show about uh, Tesla self-driving mm-hmm. technology, quote mm-hmm. unquote self-driving technology. They did the Britney Spears ones a couple of years ago. Uh, they have a new documentary out in the series. It's called The New York Times Presents The Legacy of Jay Dilla. And it is an hour and 10 minutes, uh, sort of a biography of the life of Jay Dilla, who, if you're not familiar, uh, is one of the most important producers in hip hop, in modern day hip hop, uh, particularly like mid 90s until the mid 2000s. He was super prolific, produced big records by all sorts of big names. Um, people like Tribe Called Quest, Erica Badu, The Roots, Common. He also has his own output, uh, which is fantastic. He died in 2006. And uh, this documentary tells you about his early life, about his career, about his death. And then the last 20 minutes or so of the documentary is about what happened after he died, because he gave away a lot of his music. He sort of worked uncredited on a lot of things and all that stuff is out there and it's being released. And the estate sort of took charge and started suing people. And it was this big mess. And it was really interesting because, first of all, like, I love Jay Dilla and I love his music and I did not know a lot about his early life. So that was fascinating. But really, the most fascinating part of the whole documentary is what happens after he dies Mm -hmm. uh, because it's just bananas. So uh, I can highly recommend it. If you have Hulu, it's on Hulu. It's Mm -hmm. also if you have regular cable, I think you can stream it on FX. Nice. Yeah. Sounds like a good watch. Those documentaries are great. Yeah, the yeah. New York Times does. Really good. And uh, some really awesome DJ Jazzy Jeff demonstrations. Oh, nice. Where he shows you how a sampler works. And then he shows you how Jay Dilla used the sampler, which is different mm. than how everybody else was using it and why that made his music special. So maybe that was the best part. Give us a little tease. A little tease? Yeah. Would you want me to like beatbox. freestyle? No, I mean yeah. like, <laughs> yes, please, beatbox. <laughs> uh, what was different about the way that he used turntables? So there's this term in music production called quantizing, which basically means fixing, right? Like if you tap out a drum beat and you're not perfect, you can press a button and it quantizes it for you. The computer will line everything up perfectly, right? So it makes it sound perfect, but like humans don't play instruments perfectly. They play them a little bit off and that's what gives them a unique feel. So Uh, Jay Dilla came into the scene when everything was perfect and he introduced some of those human elements by not fixing it and he would play it again instead of fixing it so it would still sound human so you get these drums where you're listening to it and the drums are weird and you're like these drums they're like it's a drum machine but it doesn't sound like a drum machine what's going on and that's because he's actually sitting there tapping it out and hearing his imperfections in the music and it's Hmm. it's catchy Hmm. it's really beautiful very cool yeah anyway Enough of me talking about drum machines. What is your recommendation, Lauren? Uh, fun fact, you know that I appeared briefly in one of those New York Times documentaries. Oh, that's right. The one on Tesla. Right, yeah, right. I was I was in the crowd at an Elon Musk talk at one point, and they panned to the crowd, and there I was in the background just shooting him a dirty look. <laughs> uh, that's great. I, yeah. I, I, had a, I had a dismayed expression on my face. <laughs> Captured forever. Uh, okay. My recommendation is Succession. Never heard of it. Hmm? Succession. Never heard of it? Never heard of it. Are you talking about the HBO drama, the prestige drama on HBO on Sunday nights? Prestige drama on HBO on Sunday nights. About the media industry. About the media industry (laughs) that is more 
true to life, I think, than uh, a lot of scripted TV series. Okay, so one of the most popular shows on television. Yeah. Why are, why are you recommending I'm it? I'm recommending it because it's season four. It is the final season. The most recent episode was this past Sunday night, episode three. It was epic. I had a feeling it was going to be epic going into it because it's a wedding episode. And so far in this series, every wedding episode has been some kind of disaster. <laughs> Um, everyone's talking about this episode. I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't seen it. So this podcast will contain no spoilers. But I would recommend if you haven't started Succession, you go back to the beginning because you really have to sort of get swept up into the characters and the family drama and to understand what's at stake with the Succession. There's this patriarchal figure, Logan Roy. He runs this multinational media conglomerate. Uh, definitely shades of Rupert Murdoch in there, the real life <laughs> Rupert Murdoch, is all I'll say. Uh, and he has these um, these four adult children, um, and three of them in particular are really vying for the future of the company. They want to be the successor, um, and they're all sycophants in their own way. And it's just a fascinating show it's probably more fascinating for us because we're in media so like some of the tweets and stuff and conversations people have about it are very inside baseball and i admit it's probably not as fascinating to people outside of media but uh, oh, I if, think you like, if you like good character drama i think it's I think really the public up there is, is swept up in it it's, for sure. it's pretty darn great i particularly like that it's on sunday nights so i can stress myself out about work right before i go to sleep <laughs> for wake like, up on why Monday are we morning. in this business <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty good but yes i would say like it's season, pretty good. <laughs> season four episode. It's pretty. It's pretty okay. But see, <laughs> season four episode three is probably not going to hit as hard if you have not been caught up. So yeah, to take a stab at it if you haven't started it. Nice. Uh, Succession HBO Max soon to just be called Max. It seems. Why? I don't. I don't know. It feels. I. I this feels blasphemous. It is home box office. Yeah, that's and what like, it is. It should should be that way forever. And that's what people call Cinemax. They call it Max. Oh, I didn't think about that. So, like, if you have the HBO brand, why are you using the Cinemax brand? I don't know. I just I, I don't know. This this po whole podcast episode has been about change, and I'm deeply uncomfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to wrap it up before more things change. Oh boy! <laughs> All right, that's our show for this week. Boone, thanks for joining us again. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you're now you're deep faking the AI, hey, man. Wow. <laughs> Turning the tables. And thanks, Mike, as always, for being a very human co-host. I, I try to be warm and personable. <laughs> and thanks to all of you for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. Also, we love it when you leave us reviews. Our producer is the man of the mic, the excellent Boone Ashworth. We'll be back soon. Goodbye for now. Here, wait, I got one for Lauren. Okay. Nougat did nothing wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Yes. That was amazing. Yes. I need that on my phone so I can just send it to people. As the Nougat did nothing wrong. That is my cat. So good. My cat is an angel. I thought I would use AI for good. It's so good. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. 
The festival also features diverse vendors as well as a specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com.